Hey friends, welcome to another episode of The Hillary Show. I'm so happy that you're all here. I want to tell you a short story before we jump into our guest um, interview today. I want to paint this scene for you where it's May, and if you're like me, you're in church, and the pastor at the front of the church says, all the mothers, please stand up. It's Mother's Day. We're going to honor all of the mothers. And I remember going to church and for eight Mother's Days of wanting to have a baby and wanting to be a mother and this being a very painful reminder that I was not a mother and I wanted to be so bad. And I remember the first Sunday that I went for Mother's Day and I had my babies there with me and I had spit shined them up and I finally had this rite of passage where I got to call myself a mother. And so this story this interview that we're going to have with our guest today, Mallory Wellner, is for you if you are someone who has wanted to be a mother and you are on the journey of wanting still, or if you are prego and you are you know, about to experience your first Mother's Day as someone who's pregnant, or maybe you are on the other side of things and you're like me and you've already had children. And, you know, this is also for listeners who you may not get it. This may not be a journey or a desire that you have, not just because you have a uterus doesn't mean that you need to put it into business. And you are still, I believe, very much mothering as you are a woman and you don't have to have a kid in order to be, uh, you know, able to tap into that mom energy. So let's jump right into our interview with Mallory Wellner. Mallory, it's so wonderful to meet you, and it's so great to have you on the show. We're going to talk all about your IVF journey and your non-traditional way, which these days might actually be a more traditional way than we all yeah. realize, <laughs> to becoming pregnant and to having children. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm excited. Yes, for sure. So you tell me, let us, let our audience know a little bit about you what your background is and why the IVF journey is something that you're really wanting and passionate about talking about. Yeah. So uh, my husband and I have been married for almost four years, four years next week. We didn't, you know, think about kids right away. It wasn't really on the forefront. We took about a year and a half of just being married, having fun traveling. And then it wasn't until our first couple doctor's appointments, you know, we figured out this might not be the easiest. My cycles were not regular, so it was going to take a while to get some things figured out. That you know, a bit of a moving target. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we might as well get started on this now because it could take years and years and years. So I'm excited to get to talk about that timeline with you guys and um, kind of put all that into perspective. You were talking about having to tap into that motherhood, even if you're not a mother yet. And I'm a kindergarten teacher, so I mother all day long. So I still felt like I was being a mother in some areas because those kids are with me a lot of the times more than they're with their parents. But I'm excited. I'm excited that we're finally at the stage we're at now. It took us a long time, but not everybody's journey is traditional, like you were saying. So, yeah, for sure. I didn't, um, for a long time, I had no idea. And I have a regular cycle, and I just thought that I was timing things properly because I, Mm -hmm. we weren't trying to have kids. We were truly trying to avoid um, having kids for quite a long (laughs) season in our initial couple years of marriage and around that fifth year of marriage, when everyone starts asking you like, when are, when are mm-hmm. you guys, when are you going to do this? And being from Kansas, I feel like there's a, almost an expectation that you're going to have kids where I don't know if that's a Kansas thing or I, I don't know. I've never, I never grew up anywhere else. So I couldn't really yeah. say, 
But there was definitely the question of like, when is this going to happen? And what was that like? Did you, did you have that similar experience? Cause I know that you have a big family. Yes. I think that we had a very similar experience. And I think too, that my generation is more understanding of not asking a woman those questions. You just kind of let them do it when they're going to do it, but got that question from relatives and, you know, distant cousins and, you know, things like that. And it was, it was tough. You know, you don't want to talk about those things when you're in the thick of it. And when you don't have a lot of answers. So that was, that was tough, but it helped having my close knit family understand and all of our friends understand. So it made it easier to talk to them about it. It was more annoying when other people that don't have any, you know, right to ask those questions would ask those questions. Would ask those questions. I know because it's yeah. really hard to tell people to kick rocks politely. Right. <laughs> uh, especially if you're hormonal because you're on oh, IVF man. medication. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I look back on my IVF experience. It's been oh, my twins, my firstborn will turn 10 in May this year, 2023. And I look back on that as one of the most silently excruciating experiences. Yeah. You're a lot closer to home because you are still pregnant. You haven't mm -hmm. had your first baby just yet. Tell you're so you're you're closer to the you're closer to the trauma. Tell me, take me back to when you first found out you were gonna have to do IVF. I don't even, you know, really remember having that conversation, I think I was on autopilot, just like we had tried the Clomid and we had tried progesterone and metformin. And, you know, we've, we did IUI before that even. And I don't think I ever let myself get to the IVF stage because it wasn't something that we wanted to do, or I wanted to do. And my husband was obviously respectful of that. I just thought it was too scientific. It didn't seem natural. It wasn't, it wasn't a path that I thought we would take. I thought we would go, you know, IUIs and then straight to adoption. Um, but I, I guess I do remember being in an appointment and it coming up in conversation and it wasn't even like a, do you want to do this? Even though they did ask that question, but it was almost like a, if we want to have a family, this is the next step. And that was only in November of this last year. So we've moved really, really quick, I guess, October of this last year, cause we started the injections and all that stuff in November. So we've moved really quickly since then, but it wasn't, I went from not wanting to do it and being very adamant about that. I think just out of fear to doing it and it giving us the result that we've been praying for, but it happened so fast that I think I was just kind of on autopilot. Like I didn't let myself go towards something else. It was just, that's what we were going to do. That's what we're going to do. I think it's so interesting how for me, at least when I realized and someone told me you, if you don't do IVF, you're never going to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I realized I really wanted to be pregnant because up to that point, I kind of was screwing around a little bit where it was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> if this works, this works. And then when all of a sudden the potential, because I was, I was scared. I still think that if my husband hadn't been so persistent in really wanting to be a father, I'm not sure we would have had kids. I mean, I, I'm four kids later. I say this mm -hmm. so, so happy. So in love with my children. But at the time you don't know what you don't know. And I thought, right. I don't think that I want to have children. He really, really wanted to be a father. So we're trying, I think that's called an IUI where they basically mm -hmm. 
wash the sperm and prep it and, you know, put lipstick on it and send it off. Yep. And we're going to go. And just go. like cross your fingers because they're just, they're not aiming at anything. They're just going in there. Yeah. That's right. I mean, which is technically kind of what they do anyway, um, <laughs> the normal way, but it's a very, it's a very distilled medical you know, it's uncomfortable. The whole thing is like you described it before, very scientific. And I don't know, like going through that process, I didn't feel like it was going to work. And I wasn't sure that I was all that sad about it. It was like, okay, well, we'll keep going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And then realizing here, I remember hearing them say, if you don't do IVF, you will never be pregnant is our medical diagnosis. And going home from that and being like, wow, I, I didn't know that this might be taken off the table for me. Do you, did you ever have a, a feeling like that of, I guess I may never get pregnant? You know, I don't think so. And it wasn't, I've never been attached or never thought that I needed to be the one to be pregnant. I, I would be happy adopting children as well. It wasn't mm -hmm. like my heart was going to shatter if I didn't get to carry my own kid. So I don't think that I ever let myself really get there because I was okay with another avenue, mm -hmm. you know, like the, some women are so excited to be pregnant and, you know, they love that stage, but it was, and now that I'm in it, you know, I do love it obviously, but it's not something that I, that, that wasn't ever the goal. Like being pregnant wasn't the goal. Having the family was the goal. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think that's such an important distinction to make because the outcome of having a family, everybody conceptualizes of that differently. And that's what's so cool. Mm -hmm. And for me, yeah, that's such a good point to make because I would stand in front of the mirror and like push my stomach out and imagine oh, what it yes. was what I was going to look like when I was pregnant. And I, you know, nobody else was around. I don't even think I've ever said that out loud. I kind of feel silly <laughs> that I did it, but it was like, I wonder what this is going to be like if this works. And I wonder if I am going to be sad that I didn't have this experience in my life if it doesn't work. And kind of going back and forth on those things. So the yeah. outcome of having a family is not tied to the, I guess, method to right. the definition. Right. And I definitely, you know, the further along we got, once we got to IVF, I'm like, okay, this, at this point, this has to work because we've done Clomid rounds and we've done three rounds of IUI and now we're paying for IVF. It better work because this is, this is what, I was told would be our next best option. So I wanted that to work so badly. And I, I would also push my stomach out in front of a mirror and just imagine some of those things to get myself excited or to get through a hard day. But it, it still, I wasn't, I don't think I would have been like beating myself up so upset if I just wasn't able to get pregnant because that again, wasn't our goal. It, our family is our goal. So I, I would have been okay going other avenues, which I think is why I didn't want to, I wasn't tied to IVF in the beginning anyway, and never thought I would go through with it because there's a faster way to get there. You know, there's might not always be the fastest, but you could do other things to help get your family there. Get your family there. When tell our audience who perhaps hasn't done IVF, what's it like? Oh what man, it's like it's a roller coaster. Not drug, only for your emotions, but for your body, for everything. Yeah, it's intense. So we started back in November with our injections, um, and those injections were to get us ready for the retrieval stage. So we did two and a half weeks of 
at one point it was up to five injections a day of just different medicines to help prep your eggs and prep your body as quickly as possible and to grow as many as possible for the retrieval stage. And then you go in for the retrieval. It's an actual surgery. You're under, you know, anesthesia, but it's light. The whole thing took about 20 minutes was all, but you know, you have that stage and then you have recovery from that stage, which for me was very brutal. I didn't expect it to be as intense as it was, but I didn't feel good for about a week after. And they told me I'd be good to go back to work in two days. And that was just a flat out lie. <laughs> I'm sure some women are ready to go back, but I couldn't stand up straight. I was thinking I was on my deathbed. You have that recovery. And then they tell you, you know, you have, we got X amount of eggs. And now we're going to see how many of those mature after we fertilize or how many will even take on to the fertilization process. So for us personally, we started with 39 eggs that they got on retrieval day, which was no wonder I was hurting so bad because that's so many in there. I was so swollen and Mm -hmm. it was intense. So I started with the 39 eggs and then overnight dropped to believe it was 27 after the fertilization process because not everything fertilizes. Then waited a couple weeks of nothing and just kind of waiting for some things to evolve. And then from that 27, we got down to 10 that were ready for the biopsy stage. And so they biopsy each of those for another week or two. Um, they look for any genetic abnormalities and, you know, chromosomal abnormalities and things like that, that would make the pregnancy not viable, um, you know, through all those testings. So from the 10, we ended up with four that were genetically healthy and, um, you know, viable. So we had four frozen and then you kind of, you know, we held on to that four and we know that we have four ready to use when we're ready. But then the hardest stage for me was the next stage of starting injections again to trick your body into thinking that it's pregnant because my, our bodies didn't create this naturally. We have to convince our body that it is pregnant. So it keeps this pregnancy that you're about to try to implant. So we started injections again, about a week before we implanted, implanted at the end of January. And then we just stopped injections the week of Easter. So you do a good 13 weeks of an injection every single day in the morning, uh, which is not a fun way to start your day for me or my husband, because he was the one that had to do them. But you do, I mean, we were up to like 90 something injections from that full 13 weeks, because you have to trick your body through that first trimester of thinking that it's pregnant until it can pick up on the fact that it is pregnant on its own. Yeah. The trigger shot that like tells your body, I guess that's when it tells your body to ovulate or it's, I just remember it being a really, really big needle. I don't know if they still do that. I mean, I'm sure medicine has advanced in the past (laughs) 10 years, but I just remember it being a really big needle. I thought they had, they had mistakenly packed our, you know, all of our supplies wrong because it was so big and it goes intramuscularly, which is in your hip, your butt. Um, so it's not a comfy spot to get a shot anyway. You know, in the beginning, they, when we were getting ready for the retrieval, some would be in your stomach. Um, and if your stomach got sore, you could go to the back of the arm or you could go, I think we still had one um, in the hip butt area still then, but we could move around if we needed to for some of them. It didn't always have to be in the same spot, but you had a very small area that you could inject for these other ones. And I was bruised. I'm still sore. You know, we've been done with them for almost three weeks, but I'm still sore. A couple spots where I don't have any feelings still, some of that's still coming back. So that was very taxing, not only on me, but on my husband, because again, he was the one that had to do all of those for me. It sucked on my end, but it equally sucked on his too, because he had to be involved as well. Oh, I'm just remembering like, 
so I have, I used to have a very big needle phobia and oh. to the point where to really drive this home, I remember the, one of the first times I went to the dentist was when I was 17 and I had five cavities. Gross, but it is what it is. <laughs> and I would not let them give me any numbing because I didn't want to get the shot because I was so scared of needles that they drilled in my mouth out five cavities. That's Without the level me. of, I mean, it hurts so bad. And then of course I didn't go to the dentist again for years. And then the next time I went, yeah. I had five <laughs> more cavities. So I was like, oh my gosh, now I will take the the shot, but I will take that, it. that's who I was pre IVF. And even just all the blood draws you have to do. And yeah, I will say those IVF blood draws, they're pros. They are so yes. good with the blood draw. You get, you go somewhere yeah. else and they'll like spray blood all over the place. And you're like, Oh, rookie move, but uh -huh. really you're in and out in five minutes. Yeah. It's nothing yeah. with IVF. They are. Yeah. I remember Sean having to, I mean, I won't say chase cause he wasn't running, but it was one of those where it was like, I would stand on the lid of the toilet so that he would be like eye level with my basically, butt at the top of my, like my love handle area, for him to give me this shot. And it was our nightly routine. And, you know, if we, if we had been a reality TV series, we would have had a lot of viewers because it was, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It was just, I was a mess. And, uh, but it was what it was. And we did what we did. Right. And there were times there too, where I would take it like a champ, you know, we do three weeks of me not having a fit or anything like that. And then I'd wake up one morning and just not, because again, it felt too scientific. It didn't feel natural. But at that point, you know, we knew we were pregnant. It was just only like five or six weeks along at the time. So I knew I had to keep doing it, but I would throw a fit some days and then be late to work because we had to do them in the morning before work. And it, it was really, it was hard. It wasn't, mm -hmm. there was never a day where I felt like, oh yeah, I get, I get to do my shot today. Like mm -hmm. I just didn't want to do it most days. And so that was really hard. And during that whole IVF process, you're at the doctor three, maybe four, maybe sometimes five days a week, depending on what they need from you, you know, in whatever stage you're in. There were weeks where I was at, you know, 730 or eight o'clock. I had a doctor's appointment every single day just to check either just to do labs or to do labs and then see the doctor. And it was, thank goodness I had, I have a principal that is very understanding and understood the process herself and was just like, we'll find coverage. Don't take days off for this. You need save those for when you actually have your family. Um, so I'm very thankful for her for giving me the grace to be gone for an hour in the morning and come back and, you know, leave as I needed to throughout the day for different appointments. Because if you didn't have someone that was understanding and would make you take those days, I don't know how you would do it. That would be a whole nother layer of exhaustion to the process. I, I remember being, well, in I, my first pregnancy was twins. So I got pregnant right after I started work. Um, I took the bar exam in July and then found out that I had passed in October. And I found out I passed the same day I found out I was pregnant. And so it was, oh my gosh. Like, it was a pretty good day. I remember yeah. I was <laughs> which one do you even celebrate at that point? I yeah. know, I know, but it was very shocking. And in, as I used to drink a lot, uh, like as, as a party uh, in a party kind of, um, and I don't anymore, but I remember like, everyone in my law firm handing me champagne because, you know, Hey, you just passed the bar exam and being uh -huh. like, Whoa, this is, I, I don't even know what to do with my, I don't know what to do with my hands right now because right. I, and also <laughs> I just started this job and PS I'm pregnant and you don't, 
you don't want to be dishonest, but at the same time, you don't want to get fired because right, it, right. it's all very complicated. But I missed um, just being pregnant, much less the the ongoing medical care that you need mm-hmm. to get to really the beginning of the race, which is just the pregnancy itself. Right. Yeah. That the whole, you're right. This is the beginning of the race. This is the long haul, but all that other stuff just it almost seems like it now that we're through it and we're 15 weeks pregnant now, it doesn't even feel like we did it. Like I still have a container of like injection stuff that I need to take back to the doctor and just get out of my house. But I see it in the morning. I'm like, do I need to do that? Did I forget that I still need to do this this morning? Like we've been through that for three weeks, but it, it go away. Like it does. And it doesn't, I just feel like sometimes there's days where I feel like I should go to the doctor. Cause I haven't been in so long. Like I forgot yeah. an appointment or something like that, just because there's, it, it just was my life for, I mean, we went, we started at our fertility clinic in March of 2022 and I was there every week, almost sometimes a couple of days a week or more than that. It just feels like, and we graduated from our fertility clinic and now we're just at our regular OB's office. And it feels like I'm forgetting appointments or I'm forgetting to do something. Did you tell all your family and friends that you did IVF? Was it early in your journey or was it after you were pregnant? We told them early. I think we, they knew as we were doing it. So they knew when we were doing our IUIs last summer, they knew when we started the IVF process, they knew that we were getting ready to have that big appointment to talk about it. Back on all of this, I definitely should have seen a fertility, like specialized therapist to talk through some of these things with. But the way I coped with it was just talking to my family, talking to my sisters, my close friends and getting through it that way. So they've known all along our friends, our close friends have known all along too. Even when, even on like retrieval day and implant day, they knew and they checked in and things like that. And I'm very thankful for that because it made it easier to talk about and easier to get through. But at the same time, totally should have seen a professional to help me get through some of the bigger things, because that's something that we don't, we didn't have any friends that had ever done it. And you know, you don't ever hope that you have friends that have to go through it or anything like that, but we didn't have anybody to turn to when we had questions or when we just needed a little extra love. So um, that had that understood the process going, looking back on it, definitely should have probably been seeing a therapist about some things, but uh, our family's known all along. And I think that's made it easier to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Are you, are you open about other areas of your life publicly as well? Or is this something where you made the conscious choice to say, I'm going to talk about this? I think I'm typically just open in general. So it made it easier. It wasn't like Mallory sharing facts with us now, like where'd this come from? She must be really struggling with something. No, I've always, and my husband's the same way. We're typically very open with sharing those things with each other and with our families and our friends. So it just made, it just seemed natural to share this with everybody. Yeah. Did you ever have a, did you ever struggle with bitterness? Why can someone else and not me? Yes, totally. And I think it was, you know, we had a conversation, I think before our first IUI that we can be pissed off every time we see another pregnancy announcement, or we can genuinely be happy for our friends. I didn't, I wasn't happy for everybody on the internet that I saw got pregnant, but for our close friends and our close knit community, we were genuinely excited for them. I have so many friends that had babies this last year, a hundred different baby showers and you know, all the things you go through when you're having a baby and showers were hard to go to, but you do it because they're your people and you love them and they know what's going on. Um, I want to be there for them through their process. Yeah. What's the memory you're thinking of? 
Oh man. I mean, I have seven friends that had babies this last year. So it was exciting to watch them become moms, but you want that for yourself too. Yeah. And now they're also excited for us because we get to have that. So it's not, these aren't sad tears. They're just thinking the back. Journey and tears. How, yeah. Mm-hmm. The journey. Gosh, mm-hmm. it was so long, but happened so fast at the same time. Yeah. It is. It's like a drunk Friday night, but like, <laughs> but it stretched out over sometimes years. And yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. And we're happen. lucky. We only, it only took us a year, not even a year. Cause we started there last March and, you know, implanted in January. So ours went a lot faster than some. And we've talked about that. And we are so thankful for that because it could have drug out and continued for years and years and years like your situation was. Um, so we're very lucky that you know, we are where we are now. It just doesn't seem like it's quick when you're in the thick of it. Yeah. Cause you don't know how long the race is like, yeah, you don't know when I, uh, sometimes I feel like you're, am I running a hundred mile race or is this a 15 mile race? Or is this like right. one of those like ultra, ultra marathons where I'm going to have to be doing this for 300 miles? Like, where am I in this? And it's, that's the part that I think really challenges faith because it's, I want to have faith. I believe this is going to happen, but I have absolutely no idea when this is going to happen. And yes. And how is it not yet? Yeah. I've done everything right. How are we still, how are we still here? Yeah. Yeah. I remember, and I hope it's okay. We talk about this because I think it's a really important piece of the conversation that perhaps is not given enough airtime and I don't want it to be inappropriate, but it just is what it is. I remember my sex life with my husband and intimacy really changing through the process of all these injections and you need to have sex at this time and you need to do it this way. And I mean, it just became very transactional and Mm -hmm. that is so hard because the recovery from transactional intimacy is very intense. And I don't think anyone really talks about that aspect of it. Can you relate? Right. Yeah. And you don't want it to ever feel like a chore. Like that's not what that should be, you know, with your husband. It doesn't need to be timed out or anything like that. But unfortunately, sometimes it does. And, you know, you both have to, you both have to understand that and give each other grace through that. But yeah, we definitely had conversations around like this doesn't, this isn't how we would like to be going about this process, but this is what we've been given. So if we want to have our family, we have, you know, we have to do it. Yeah. And the medicine that you, that I had to take at least didn't make the experience pleasant. So it's like, no, it all makes of the you fun feel terrible. Bits, yeah. All the fun bits get taken out and it's like, what am I even doing? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I always say, be careful what you pray for, because then I had four kids in four years. I went from zero to four in four years and it's just a wild ride. And so I think that people who are in the process, and I think young people, you know, if I'm in my early 20s, late teens, and if you're hearing this, this isn't to scare you. I think that infertility is something that perhaps it's just we're more aware of it because we're more connected society. Mm -hmm. It does seem like more people are having infertility uh, journeys that's what science is telling us, but I don't think it's anything to, I wouldn't have changed my life in any way, my lifestyle in any way. It just, it's like lots of people get in fender benders and lots of people, you know, deal with lots of curveballs that affect us in life, but that doesn't mean we 
need to change our lifestyle or really update the way that we engage with life. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, there's nothing that I would have done different. And I'm not even sure there's anything you could do different. Like who knows what even causes this or, you you know, like so many people now, there were no less than 10 couples in the doctor's office at any time that I was there or my husband was there with me. It was, there were people everywhere. And you wonder like, how are we all doing this at the same time? And why are we all having to do this at the same time? There's just, I feel like there's, I've, I probably just haven't paid attention in the past because I wasn't in it. But sure. being in it now, mm-hmm. right, being in it now, you see how many people out there are going through it. And it it just seems like it keeps growing and growing. But I don't know that I would have done anything different growing up. Like, I, that's, right. it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those like, oh my gosh, is this something that's going to happen to me? And then when I get married, am I going to have to try right away to do this? And what if I want to wait and all this other stuff? Mm-hmm. And it's like, just live your life and right. the, the hand that will be, that has been dealt, it will be, it will be shown to you in, in due time kind of a thing. Right. And there, yeah, there's no reason to be scared of it because you don't know it could, you could get pregnant very easy and it could be an easy journey for you or it could take a little bit longer and that that's okay too. And yeah, you just, there's no point in stressing out about it. And there's no point in even thinking back to what I could have done different now because it's in the past and we can't change that. So we can only, you know, deal with what's in front of us and move on as our doctors tell us to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, what do you, I don't know if you're um, a regular churchgoer and I'm not, um, but I, I used to be very much so, but I don't know if you're going to do anything for Mother's Day this year, uh, kind of as your first Mother's Day where, where I know. you like self-select and identify. What's your plan? <laughs> I know. I don't know if we have one yet. I, we even talked about the other night, my husband gets a Father's Day too, which is crazy. We had just kind of talked about like, I think we were on a walk. It's like, you get a Father's Day. It's like, well, you get a Mother's Day. It's like, I guess I do. We have our dogs. We've always said Father's Day and Mother's Day for him. But yeah, we get it for each other. And I don't know. I think we'll, it won't feel real until next year when we actually have him with us. Oh, you're having a boy. That's so fun. I say him. We think through one of the stages of that um, biopsy process, they can tell you gender. And we accidentally saw, we had signed all the papers, you know, don't tell us, you pick, doesn't matter to us. And our first, um, on transplant day or implant day, um, our first embryo that they thawed didn't thaw properly. It's like in the 1% that you lose one during the thaw process. So we lost one on um, that day. And so we had to give consent for them to thaw another. And we accidentally saw that it was, we lost one of the girls and we, they implanted or we're going to implant a boy. So we act, we tried to act like we didn't see it. We were going to find out anyway. We weren't going to, you know, wait till birthday to figure that out. That just wouldn't work for us. I'm not that type of person, but we laughed and we didn't say anything about it until we got in the car and it's like, did you see it? And he's like, I saw it. Like, yeah, it's okay. So there's still, you know, like a six or 7% chance that they're wrong, but high nineties seems pretty likely. So we're going with boy for now, um, which is very exciting. So that's, that's what we keep saying. At least it'll probably throw a wrench in us and we'll probably be having a girl, but we'll see. You never know till you know. Yeah. Never know. Well, whatever it is that you do this year on your final mother's day, uh, where you're expecting, I hope that it's, I hope you take a picture. And if you're a Facebook person or a, maybe like 
the stories kind of person where it will like remind you year after year. I love seeing it was, I have a picture of Sean's back, my husband's back, and he's making me pancakes. And during my pregnancies, I would always gain like a hundred pounds for pregnancy because I <laughs> love to eat and really embrace that when I was pregnant. And that was that was really the beginning of the end because <laughs> I <laughs> ate my face off and he made me lots of pancakes. But on Mother's Day, he made me a little Mother's Day pancake breakfast and I'll never forget it. So I well, hope I'll have to pay attention to what we even do now. I hadn't even thought about it that seriously. It seemed kind of silly to do it before baby got here, but it's not because we've been working at this for a long, long time. So I will take a picture and I'll remember what we yeah, do and try to do something special just because. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Well, Mallory, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you of for course. giving your voice. And for those who are able to see us on, in video, a face to what's such a common thing that I think that a lot of women and men go through in yeah. silence. And it really doesn't have to be that way. So we've created our own little community and given some hope to people today. Yeah. And my biggest piece of advice, speaking of, you know, the spouse or the husband um, or the partner, don't forget about them during the process because yeah, they're going through it just like you are. They might not be taking the needles and, you know, doing all of that stuff. It's not happening physically to their body, but it's happening, happening mentally to them as well. So don't forget about them throughout your process, whatever that looks like for you. Yes, absolutely. That's such good advice. Thank you so much, Mallory. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today, my friend. I hope this touched your heart a little bit. If you're in the journey or you've been around the journey or you just want to give a little bit of love to someone who's on the pregnancy IVF, I keep saying the word journey, but really there's no better word for it because it is, it is an era that people go through and sometimes it can be difficult. Sometimes it can be easy and everyone processes it differently. If you know someone who's going, um, going through it or might be, please share this podcast with them and let's uplift them. And together we can create an even better community. Thanks friends. See you around.